Hello, and welcome to this edition of Wait a Week Mystery. I'm your host and author, J.C. Bodden. In this week's podcast, I'll be sharing with you a chapter from my novel, Someone to Watch Over Me. This particular book is the first in the Devlin O'Quinn mystery series and tells the story of Devlin's daughter, Jenny. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next installment, Someone to Watch Over Me, as well as the other three books in the Devlin O'Quinn series, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. You can check out my website, jcbodden.com, that's j-c-b-o-d-d-e-n.com, for more information and the link to my Amazon page. Now, let's not wait any longer. Here we go with episode 120, Someone to Watch Over Me, chapter 20, With a Little Help, Jenny's Story. There was absolute chaos in the dorm. Wagner, Wagner's boss, Charlie McKinnon, and my father all arrived at the same time. Shortly after that, a crime scene investigator began taking pictures and dusting for fingerprints. Wagner started interviewing all the students in the rooms with vandalized doors, with Dana being first. I was sitting at the small table in my kitchenette, my hands still trembling as I drank a cup of coffee. Dad and Charlie McKinnon came into the room. Dad sat in the chair across from me. Honey, we're going to figure this out. I know, Dad. It's just so weird, you know. We'll figure it out. Get whatever you need for the next few days, and I'll have a patrol car take you over. Over where, Dad? What are you talking about? To the house, honey. You can't stay here. Dad, I have to stay here. It's my job. I can't just leave. Oh, yes, you can, young lady. His tone sent me right back to high school. At least my hands stopped shaking. No, Dad, I can't, I snapped. I can't leave just because some idiot vandalized some doors. I've got responsibilities. Jenny, I'm not going to argue with you. This is not simple vandalism. Whoever did this wrote your name on these doors last night without, apparently, anyone seeing or hearing anything. This is a direct threat. A direct threat to you. You can't stay here. You're going to stay home with me where you'll be safe until whoever did this is caught and put behind bars. Dad stood in stock to the small bedroom. I looked at Captain McKinnon. What's he doing? McKinnon shrugged. I think he's packing. We followed Dad. He yanked open the closet and started ripping clothes off hangers and flinging them on the bed, his jaw clenched. This was more than just a disagreement, I realized, when I saw that his hands were actually shaking now. Here, Dad, uh, okay, okay, I'll go to the house for a couple of days if it'll make you happy. But I've got to go to class and the lab, and I've got to call my boss, Jackson, down in the housing office and clear this with him. And I need to call the lab and tell them I'm not going to be in until later this morning. Plus, Dad, I put my hands on his arms. You're taking the wrong stuff. He stopped abruptly and sat down hard on the bed, then ran his hand through his hair, the lines around his eyes tight with tension. I'm sorry, honey. I know you think I'm overreacting. He glanced down at his hands, now in his lap, and took a deep, shaky breath. After a moment, he noticed the photo on the nightstand. He picked it up and gently ran his finger over the glass. I thought my heart would break at the look on his face. I had meant to tell him about the picture, really. I had just never seemed to find the right time. And now, for him to find it, like this... Damn. I... I found it in a box of Mama's things. I didn't think you'd mind. I'm sorry I didn't ask you about it. 
He looked at me, his green eyes misty, voice barely above a whisper. I knew you had it. I wanted you to. But Jenny, please understand. When your mother was killed, he shook his head. I didn't do anything to protect her, but I sure as hell can keep you safe. I sat beside him on the bed and took his hand, tugging it until he looked at me. My throat closed and the words barely came out. Daddy, nothing's going to happen to me. We're a team, always. You'll figure this out. Just then there was a knock at the front door. Dad and I, as well as Charlie McKinnon, standing in the bedroom doorway, all jumped. We looked at each other and laughed nervously. Who is it? I called. It's Carrie Wagner, Miss O'Quinn. May I come in? I stepped past McKinnon and opened the apartment door. Standing behind Wagner was a short man in a dark suit. His white hair was thinning on top, but swirled strategically in a losing attempt at baldness camouflage. It was Stanley Moore, president of the university. Hello, Officer Wagner and Dr. Moore. Come in. I stood back to allow the two men to enter. Dad stepped in from the bedroom. Hello, Miss O'Quinn, Charlie, Dublin, said Dr. Moore as he shook hands with each of us in turn. Officer Wagner has been filling me in, and of course I've seen the damage here with my own eyes. Horrible, just horrible things. Yes, well, I'm getting Jenny packed up to move back home for a few days, Stanley, Dad said, just until your people get this straightened out, of course. Move back home? Come now, Devlin, let's have a seat and discuss this. Dr. Moore gestured at the couch. He and Dad had known each other for years. He was a man accustomed to getting what he wanted. There's nothing to discuss. Of course, Dad was a man accustomed to having his way as well. I could hear him grinding his teeth from where I stood. Dad? He handed me the photo, his green eyes hard, warning me he was not in the mood for discussion, especially in front of Stanley Moore. Devlin, Dr. Moore continued smoothly, I've been on the phone for the last 45 minutes with scared, worried parents whose daughters living in this dorm have called them, some crying hysterically, wanting to move out, drop out, God only knows what. Word of this incident, coming on the heels of that vicious attack on Amy Patterson, has spread like wildfire. The university can't possibly be expected to find alternative housing for all these young women. If your daughter moves out, then all these other students will want to as well. With all due respect, Stanley, all those other young women didn't have their names scrawled on these doors. Dad paced in front of the sofa, rubbing the back of his neck. Certainly, I understand that. And as you know, I have a daughter of my own, so I understand something about how you feel, Devlin, as well as how the parents of these other young women feel. Moore unbuttoned his suit jacket and clasped his hands in front of his belt buckle, settling in for the exact conversation Dad didn't want to have. But you have to understand the position that we are here in the university. We can't have 150 women leave this dorm in the middle of term. Your daughter could live at home and still attend classes. But that's not true of many of these other young ladies. We've got students in this dorm from all over the country, not to mention several international students. Where do these women go? I don't care where these women go, Dad snapped, his tone surprising even me. I want my daughter protected. It's not my job to protect the university. It's my job to protect her. With a jolt, I realized he had stopped pacing and was standing perfectly still. Never a good sign with my father. Sort of the calm before the storm, so to speak. At this point, Charlie McKinnon cleared his throat. 
May I offer a suggestion? he asked quietly. Dr. Moore smoothed his tie and glanced in his direction. Certainly. Well, first of all, Dr. Moore, I would like your permission to ask the city police force, and especially Detective O'Quinn, to help us with this case. After all, he's the city's lead detective, and they have a little bit more experience dealing with this kind of thing. Dad nodded quickly in McKinnon's direction. Of course, we'll help any way we can, Charlie. Thank you. Secondly, I'd like to suggest additional security here in Willow Hall. Perhaps it would help satisfy not only Devlin, but the other parents as well. Hmm, what do you have in mind? Moore looked at McKinnon, apparently relieved to have someone besides Dad as the focus of attention. Dad opened his mouth, but I interrupted before he had a chance. Dr. Moore? Yes, dear? Maybe Dad would feel better if we had an officer on duty here in the dorm 24 hours a day, at least until this is resolved, patrolling the halls and monitoring the lobby. And the back doors need to be equipped with push-handle alarms so everyone will have to come and go through the front doors and the lobby and to keep the girls from propping them open. And until this person is caught, the front doors need to be locked all the time, not just after hours. The residents will have to use their keys for entry. Dr. Moore looked from me to McKinnon. She's got a pretty good list there. Anything you would add, Charlie? McKinnon blinked and rubbed his chin. I think that about covers it, sir. Wagner cleared his throat and spoke up. I would certainly be glad to volunteer for the first shift on security. Dr. Moore turned to Dad. What about you, Devlin? Anything else you want? The university would do all that? Certainly, Dr. Moore cleared his throat. The safety of our students is our number one priority. How long before the alarms could be installed? Dad asked warily, but I could tell he had relaxed slightly. It was a step in the right direction. I imagine that we'd have to order them, but the work order will be submitted today. I'll take care of it personally. Charlie, can your department handle having an officer here 24-7? It will involve some overtime. He glanced at Dr. Moore, who waved his hand and nodded in agreement. And we'll have to shift some people around, but it can be done. That is, if your department handles the investigation. Don't worry about us, Charlie. We'll take care of our end. You guys just take care of things here. And with that, Dad turned and kissed me on the forehead. Fine. I've got work to do. I'll be back here later this afternoon, Jenny. One look into his eyes, and I knew our debate wasn't really over. Joe's story. The painter on his hip was vibrating. It was another Saturday game day that he had volunteered to be on call. He was needed at the Natural Sciences Building. A drain had backed up and caused a mess in the basement. The specimen storage area was in danger of contamination. It had to be dealt with immediately. Once he had maneuvered the large brown maintenance work van into position behind the building, he stopped and looked at all the activity around him. Tailgaters were all over and he felt a he felt slightly out of place as the only person who was not dressed in the home team's colors. As he banged around in the back of his truck, he didn't notice Jenny O'Quinn walking past him toward the front doors of the building. Inside, it took him a moment for his eyes to become accustomed to the dim light. As he waited for the elevator, he noticed someone at the end of the hall jiggling the handle of one of the lab doors. The way she stood with her hands on her hips was familiar and he went to see what was going on. 
Just as he realized that it was Jenny, locked out of her office, she turned and let out a little yelp when she saw him standing there. He was so embarrassed that he had startled her that he hardly knew what to say, so he grabbed his key and reached past her to unlock the door. She seemed grateful enough, and he left her to her work. He couldn't help but wonder, though, why she was at the lab that day instead of with everyone else at the ball game. The mess in the basement took him much longer to deal with than he had anticipated. After he finished, he went back to the main floor of the building and walked down the hall to the lab so he could lock up before he left. He was mildly surprised to see the light beneath the lab door, and he realized that she had been there working all afternoon, too. A moment or two later, the door to the lab opened, and she flicked off the light inside. Not wanting to scare her twice in one day, he stepped into the shadows of an adjacent doorway. He watched silently as she shouldered her backpack and left the building. That concludes this week's chapter of Someone to Watch Over Me. Thanks so much for listening. To find out what happens next, please come back for episode 121 of Wait a Week Mystery or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. Either way, I hope your wait is a happy one.